One minute left. Who would you take to have the ball? KD. But Giannis, what is the answer to a young up-and-coming superstar? No more fun and pregame closed conversations. It's now like we run out of options in terms of what's the issue with this organization and now the issue with you, Russell Westbrook. Chris Broussard here, and welcome to the brand new Hoops on Fox podcast. This podcast will give you your daily dose of all things NBA from Fox Sports, including the best content from Skip and Shannon, Nick Wright, plus special guests, fresh NBA content from myself, post-game interviews from NBA stars around the league, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Up first, Chris Broussard joins Skip and Shannon to dissect the Celtics vs. Bucks second-round matchup. Chris? Good morning. Good morning, guys. Will the Bucks beat the Celtics in the next round? Yes. I think what? it's I think it's a six game series, mm. and I, maybe I'm being generous, but I got the Bucks in six. Wow! It looks like y'all both got Boston. We'll see. No, 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 no. <laughs> the way you're looking at me. Here's the thing: I've had the Bucks all year. I, yeah. I like yeah. the Bucks. I, I did pick Toronto to win the East, but I'm I'm questioning that now. Mm. But the Bucks, I know a lot of people. Maybe you guys will look back at last year and say Boston beat them in seven without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. And obviously, they have more talent than those guys. We know how great Kyrie is. But I'm not sure the Celtics are better right now than they were at this point last year because of the chemistry is not the same. And those young guys were playing well together. And here's the thing. Milwaukee wasn't close. Even though their personnel is very similar, they weren't close to as good. Hmm. There was a huge coaching advantage that Brad Stevens had over Joe Prunty, the interim coach for Milwaukee. So there's that for the Bucs. And the Bucs, they got a few things going for them. I could mention Giannis, the best player on the floor. Kyrie's the most clutch, but Giannis is their best player. But a couple things, they are almost perfectly built for this analytics. They're analytically built, Mm -hmm. where you got one guy in Giannis who can get into the paint whenever he wants. So he can, he can get a paint shot whenever he wants, and if you build up a wall or stop him in there, he kicks it out, and they, they just surround him with three-point shooters. They shot more threes than anybody outside of Houston. They did. And so, and then defensively, they're aggressive. They've got rim protectors in Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Mm-hmm. And Eric Bledsoe, you can't shut down Kyrie, but he will make it tough on Kyrie. Kyrie shot 39% against Milwaukee during the regular season. So there's that. And then Milwaukee does not let their foot off the gas. Like, that's an advantage that Boston usually has Mm -hmm. over people is they play so hard, they're so gritty, they're so well coached. I say the coaching thing is even because Budenholzer was my vote for coach of the year. He was the coach's vote for coach of the year. And Milwaukee – just doesn't like there's no nonsense. They go hard all the time. That's why they won 45 games, a league high by double figures. Yep. And then blew Detroit out in every single game. Where you you rarely see that. I mean, Golden State is 10 points or better, better than the Clippers, but sometimes they let their foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Houston, sometimes they let their foot off the gas, maybe last mm-hmm. night. Milwaukee does not do that. So they're gonna. I think they're going to win this series. What do you think? Um, five? I think six. you just talked to yourself into five. No, well, you, you made a five look, case. I, I have Sweet. the utmost respect <laughs> for Boston. Yeah. And I think Brad Stevens is a very good coach. Kyrie is arguably, arguably the best closer in the game, certainly yeah. one of them. 
Uh, but I just think Milwaukee is just that much better this year. I'm taking the Bucs as well. Yeah. Um, look, the Celtics swept Orlando, uh, Orlando, Indiana, but without Oladipo. And Indiana could have easily won two of those last right. two games, Kevin. I mean, they they're close. They had Bogdanovich trying to close for them, mm -hmm. where the Celtics had Kyrie closing for them, yeah. and that yeah. was really the difference in the ball game. As you mentioned, Chris, that you don't think the Celtics has gotten better from what they were last year. Well, Giannis is head and shoulders above where he was last year. No question. He's a, he's a difference maker. Mm -hmm. And as before, when I was like, James Harden should be the MVP. If Giannis wins the MVP, Skip, I'm not going to be nearly as mad, upset as I would have been, say, two months ago. What I've seen from him in the playoffs, because I, I, that's what I wanted to see. Yeah, we he had monster, he had a monster season, 26, 12, or 27, 12, and, mm -hmm. and five. But what were you going to do in the playoffs? Mm -hmm. He's answered the bell. He stepped up. Yeah. He wants you want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. Regular season is fine, but legends are cultivated and made come playoff time. Yeah. And this is his opportunity to do all of that. They surrounded him with, as you mentioned, three point marksmen. Uh, I love Bledsoe. I love Middleton. Um, Brooke Lopez, he does his job. He ain't gonna get a whole bunch of rebounds, Skip. Yep. But he'll knock down some threes. He'll, he'll you know, protect the, uh, protect the rim and everything. Mm -hmm. I did not see this. I know you, at the beginning of the year, you're like, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. I didn't see him being this good. I thought they, you know, win 50, 53 games. They, what, 60 games? 58? 60 games. Yeah, 60 games. I didn't see him being this good, Skip. Mm. They're they might be better than everybody thought they would. I, I mean, you heard some people like, okay, Milwaukee gonna be good. He surround, you know, Budenholz is a very good coach. They surrounded him. They got a guy that can play out of the paint, can pass it to open shooters. Mm -hmm. And because he, they got no answer for him. Mm -hmm. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, whomever, uh, the smart, uh, uh, smart's injured. Uh, Morris, they have no answer for that. Mm -hmm. It's almost like when they're playing Cleveland and trying to go do, deal with LeBron. Mm -hmm. The difference was they didn't have an answer for LeBron. Mm -hmm. They don't have an answer for that. Well, I got Aaron Baines, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I love Aaron Baines. Yeah, he tries for what hard. he is, yeah, he tries for what hard. he is. Well, I they, like well, they better get that Bane from Batman. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Bane. That, yeah, they better get Singular. him. <laughs> I'm gonna go clear out to the end of the limb here, and I'm gonna take Boston this series. Wow. Okay. And I wouldn't Seven? bet. I wouldn't bet a drop of dew on <laughs> yeah. it. I am almost certainly wrong, but I just have a feeling about this, and my feeling comes from the fact. You realize Giannis just won his first ever playoff series, mm -hmm. albeit against a Blake Griffin who was playing on one leg at best yeah. and didn't play in the first two games, right? Yes. And you're right. that They won the four games combined by 95 points. They are steamrolling everybody in their path. <laughs> they won 60 games. They're 11 games better than Boston was. They're third in offense, which is pretty sensational, and first in defense. There's nothing not to like about any of that except playoff experience. So Kyrie has played in 56 playoff games. That's, that's a lot of games. Yep. And for the record, Gordon Hayward, for what it's worth, has played in 19. And what I saw against Indiana was, you're right, they, they actually played four pretty close games they against did. Indiana. They, all, yeah. they only won by plus 30 over those four games. And if Oladipo had been there, it might have been a little yeah, – might have been seven games. Yes. Because they were without a closer, obviously. But I really liked what happened for Boston in game four. Because for once, Kyrie was not called upon to close. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Marcus um, Morris took off. Mm -hmm. And then, out of really nowhere, Gordon Hayward really took off going back home to Indiana. Yep. He had 20 points, made seven or nine shots, three of three from three, and made all of his three free throws for 20 points. That was huge for this team. And what I saw, because Indiana is tough. They're very well coached. Yep. 
and they will fight you to the yeah. death. And they did. And I thought it was great for Boston to draw a team that's very dangerous that will that will they're a good sparring partner to set you up for yeah. the next round, but they just don't have a closer. So it's going to be close, 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 and then we got this. So they swept them. But I felt like for the first time all year, the Celtics came together. It just felt that way to me. It felt like they made peace with Kyrie and he made some peace with them. And you talked about their chemistry. It looked like a chemical reaction to me that the team solidified. And they're going to miss Marcus Smart, but at least the rotation sort of clarified. Right. And Malcolm Brogdon, I don't know what he's he tours plantar fascia, and they say he might be available for this round, but it's iffy. Yeah. So it's yeah, sort of a yeah. trade-off, no Marcus Smart, no Malcolm right, Brogdon, because, right. again, Malcolm Brogdon's better than Marcus yes. Smart, but they can both defend it. Yeah, he's the only 50-40-30 guy. Yeah. I mean, he, well, 50-40-90 right. guy yep. in the NBA, Brogdon was this year. And if he comes back, Skip, they, he's at the start of five weeks. They said yeah. six to eight. So what, maybe games five through seven if need yep. be? Next, Vincent Goodwill joins Nick and CeCe to break down Kevin Durant's free agent frenzy. Man, we are seeing the vulnerabilities of superstars, like, right before our very eyes. Like, it's literally like the world is Kevin Durant's couch, and he's just on it. And depending on whatever his mood is that particular day, that's what he's going to express. And I can appreciate that because we ask for honesty from these guys. We ask them, don't be robots. Don't be like Russell Westbrook. Don't shut us down. And then when they give it to us, there's like this backlash. Russell Wilson. No, he's no, no, Westbrook. 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 saying next question. Next oh, question. Really? Oh, okay. Yes, oh, absolutely. No, not, Thank you. Not that Thank Russ. You. Come okay. on now. The, the that, manufacturing that's answers. A, that's okay. a little bit. That's a, okay, V. That Russ is a little bit different, CC. <laughs> I don't know which Russ we getting when, we, yes. when, we, when he pops up. But no. But I will say this. KD also has to understand that the reason that he's able to get the endorsements and everything else is because of the intimacy the NBA provides, that there's no helmets, that we expect players to be more open and honest, and that sometimes you have to be careful about what you say. And he's talked out of both sides of his mouth for a number of years. But here's the thing. Has Kevin Durant meant a lot to the media landscape until his last year at Oklahoma City? Or was he just a really good player who was coming up on free agency and made a decision that a lot of people didn't like. He was the second best mm -hmm. player for a number of years and did not garner the attention that LeBron and Kobe and all these other guys got. So for him to say, they need me, as in the media, we kind of don't because you kind of didn't register, you know, for a number mm -hmm. of years besides just right. being a great player. And uh, Kevin Durant, to me, is right and wrong. He's right that an enormous amount of the a disproportionate amount of the conversation about during this NBA season about where it has been about where will he go but that's because he's such a great player yes. and when he teamed up with an equally great player in Steph Curry for a team that had already won a championship it removed what we normally spend our time talking about during the regular season which is who's going to win the championship so we have this, we have this void to fill of of talking points about the NBA, and it's not a whole bunch about who's going to win the title. But it's also the pending free agency, because, yes, even if we just had the normal traffic flow as who was going to win, Nick, that would be normal. But we would still be talking about who's going to be a free agent. Of course. So we have other people that are going to be a free agent, and look at the people who have struggled and those who have been successful. Kawhi Leonard, look at his approach. Look at Kyrie Irving. Look at his approach. So not only not the how he the championship, those questions should be there because they're that kind of talented um, basketball team. But how he handled free agency brought a lot of that traffic. Well, to well him. that's where the, and that's where that's where he's gotten this wrong. 
We don't talk about every pending free agent like this. And you can say, KD can say, oh, well, it's just because I'm this great. Man, LeBron last year, damn near one league MVP. We, we weren't talking about his pending free agency like this. He wasn't, he, he wasn't in some malaise because he was, because he shut it all down. Kevin Durant, the first time when he was in OKC, everyone knew he was a pending free agent. It didn't cause this type of daily controversy or talking point because he was not engaging in it. Kevin Durant, and this is where my biggest criticism of him comes, he's got to be, he's got to take ownership for how much of this is his own doing. Mm -hmm. Nobody told Kevin Durant, starting a few years ago, to do a multi-part, multi-hour podcast series with Bill Simmons, where he lays it all to bear. No one told Kevin Durant to do these multi-part, multi-hour podcasts with Chris Haynes, to, to do things where he is constantly talking to us about his feelings, about his plans, about his emotions. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you are going to talk to us about those things, we are interested in them, and then the, the fans are interested in them. And then on these shows, we will discuss what is interesting. Kawhi Leonard does not get the money that Kevin Durant gets off the court. Right. Because he's not talked about. He's made that choice to not be interesting. There's a good and a bad side to that. And there's another part that they let the family business out. Uh, Jenna, if I was to leave this show, who do you think would be the first one to know? Well, hopefully me and Nick. Uh, absolutely. When Draymond Jenna's Green, like, wait, what's going on? I Jenna know. couldn't even answer. <laughs> she, was like, she didn't know what. She's like, he what's the right answer? You made Jenna panic. You Go know ahead. I'm already anxious. It was, it was an when easy Draymond answer. Draymond Green, because there's a number of things. Mm -hmm. The Warriors, they're going to draw some traffic. KD, because who he is, he's going to draw Warner some attention. But when Draymond said that, we can't forget that. Draymond told him, you can leave now. We didn't make this kind of stuff up. So regardless, even if we weren't questioning the Warriors in their championship run, we weren't questioning free agency, what him and Draymond did, that exchange right there would lead us to where we are anyway, Vince. It's, and the crazy thing is, I had a conversation. I sat in between those two guys in a locker in, in Brooklyn like a week before that and having a, just a great basketball life conversation with the both of them, you would have never known that that would have happened a week later. I've never had anything but positive interactions with Kevin Durant from a media standpoint, but I also don't have to deal with him every day. To that point, I'll say this. Out of all the things, and I've, I've had to write some non-flattering stories about guys throughout my career. When they've come to me, I've said, look, you can be upset about what I wrote or you can be happy about what I know, but I didn't write. Be glad we're only talking about your professional decisions on the floor and sort of the residuals off the floor. Yeah, this, this is not personal. This is nowhere near personal. And this is a person, I'm a person, who said him going to Golden State was a great thing for basketball because we got to see him play in that perfect system compared to being in Oklahoma City where he was shackled and sort of playing with mm -hmm. Russ and all of that. Okay. I think this was a great thing for him, a great thing for basketball, regardless of what he does next. So I don't think he should look at this as a negative, even if he goes to New he York and has to start over. And you wrote that right around the time you and I were getting to know each other, and it's still your worst basketball opinion yet. However, one, one last note. There are two Two guys, two for this from this from the guy who says LeBron's the greatest oh, player ever. All right, let's I, not do that right now. Yeah. I, I took a shot. That's fair. This, this is there are two pending free agents that we dissect: Kyrie and KD. KD had the incident with Draymond that you talked about. Mm -hmm. You know what Kyrie did? Kyrie is the one who went at the TD Garden. Is that what it's called in Boston? Mm -hmm. On the court before the season, said, "Man, 
all happy to be here for the rest of my career if you'll have me. Kyrie is the one that recorded that commercial where he's with his dad saying one day they're going to hang my jersey in the rafters. And then Kyrie's the one who months later said, man, I'll deal with that on July 1st. I don't know any, owe anybody bleep. When you do that, it now draws us in more. If Kawhi Leonard had given a press conference and said when he was traded for the Raptors, man, I'm going to be here forever. And a couple months later, it was like, man, L.A. looks awful nice this time of year. We talk about that more often. If Klay Thompson had given any oxygen whatsoever to the idea he could leave, well, you don't think people would be pairing up Klay with LeBron. His dad played there. His dad's a broadcaster there. He loves L.A. What would we have given just the story of him jumping in the ocean? Oh, absolutely. When, when he said, Coming man, back up, home. up north it's too cold, but down here it's nice. If Klay had given that story any oxygen, Great point. we would have said, oh, is this a sign? But he didn't. KD chose to. That's his prerogative. But just like it's his prerogative to talk, yep. it's our prerogative to talk about what he's talking it's about. It's a chicken or egg with KD. Yes. Say something crazy, we ask about it, then he complains. Well, why do you guys keep calling me crazy? Now Chris Broussard is with Colin Coward to talk about the 2019 NBA playoffs. Down to the NBA playoffs. Well, well, well. I kind of brought out the hammer today. What about my surprise, assertion? Surprise. What about my assertion that there have always been um, there are certain players? I've said this in the NFL. The NFL playoffs are not built for deep threat wide receivers because by the time you get to January, the weather's windy and cold. So quarterbacks, by the way, don't want to throw the ball downfield. The NFL is built for possession receivers, running games, efficiency. So Throw the ball over the top quarterback is great September, October, November. Similarly, Westbrook is not built for the playoffs. He's not real adaptable. He can be tough to coach. He tends to be volatile. What you're looking for in the playoffs is adaptability, coachability. In crisis, the volatility shrinks. It's not that he's not a great player, but the playoffs don't feel like they're designed for his rigidity. Well, it's more so just that, yeah, Obviously, in the playoffs is where you win championships. I don't think you're going to win a championship with him as your lead guy. Yeah. And, and if you look at him as the lead guy in the regular season, you only win to a certain degree. Right. You might win 50 games. Right. You know, you're not going to 60. You're not going to be this amazing team, period, with him as your leader. Now, that's when, with him and Kevin Durant, they obviously were a great team yeah. and close to winning a championship. What I've said about Russell, like, the question people have asked is, is, are these playoffs ruining or changing his legacy? My answer is no, because his legacy's not going to be tied to winning. His legacy's going to be similar to that of Allen Iverson, of Pistol Pete Maravich, yeah. Dominique Wilkins, this great individual phenom yeah. who did what no one else could do. But it's, it, he's not going to lead you to a title. Yeah. The, the one thing that would hurt his legacy... In my view, and he's still a Hall of Famer and all that, but was if other players began averaging triple-doubles for a season. Like, if it became something that, like, Ben Simmons does it, LeBron does it next year, maybe James Harden does it. When, like, if it became a thing and then it would be like, oh, it wasn't that unique yeah. what he did. Where this is hurting Russell Westbrook, this series, is it's in his current status within the league. Like, now, Damian Lillard, is a better basketball player than Russell Westbrook. No question. Westbrook is a more athletic player. He's more explosive. He's more of a spectacle. Lillard is who you'd rather have on your team. So Lillard, Kyrie Irving, uh, Steph Curry, James Harden now are ahead of Westbrook at yes, the point guard. Yes, yes. 
when we talk about top five players in the world, and, it, you know, the, the three, four, five, it always kind of varies. Westbrook's no longer in that conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Th two months ago, you would have been like, you know, and Westbrook might be in there. You know, he averages triple-double. He's in there. No, he's not anymore. So it's hurting him with his current status, not so much with his legacy. I mean, listen, they're tied to him for four years. I, I, I always feel uh, as a parent, you're a parent, you can be hard on your kids and lighten up. But if you become an enabling ice cream for breakfast parent and then try to be tough later, your kids don't buy it. I think Oklahoma City has enabled him to the point of no return. I, I would agree. And, and I compared him to Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson never had a lot of playoff success except for the one year, 2001, yeah. with who? Larry Brown, a coach that would challenge him and harness him a little bit and try to change it. Now, Larry gave a lot, too, because Iverson was Iverson, but he also, I mean, it's legendary how much they went at it. That's what you would need with Westbrook, but here's the thing. Iverson was caught by Larry Brown relatively early in his career, you know, five, six years in, something like that. It's not Westbrook is now setting his ways and he's had tremendous success doing what he does. And one of his great strengths, like Joy was saying in the break, you know, he's not listening to anybody, which can be good because he's always been told you can't do this. UCLA, you, you weren't even that good at UCLA. Your junior year in high school, you averaged like 10, 11 points a game. You can't make it to the NBA. That's been a strength for him. But it's also a weakness because he's not going to listen. When Magic Johnson criticized him in the 2012 finals, and he said Westbrook played the worst game he's ever seen by a point guard in the NBA finals because he said he was too wild. Westbrook said, I'm not changing my game for anybody, yeah. no matter what anybody says. That's been a strength, but it's also a weakness. So, But here's you, – you mentioned they're stuck with him for four years. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't trade him. Oh, I mean, not that on. you can't. It's going to be difficult, number one. Here's the thing, Colin, and I know, look, if I'm Oklahoma City, I'm all, I am, when I'm going back to the drawing board, I'm saying, okay, we got to build around Russ and Paul. What we need are shooters. They can't shoot. Westbrook can draw a double team every single time down the court. If he kicks it, he's a willing passer. If he kicks it to you, you got to have guys that can knock it down. That's what I try, but I'm I'm on the record. You're not winning the championship with him. But here's the thing: everybody's not going to win a championship. Was the Stockton Malone era a waste in Utah? No, but they were built and designed to win a championship. They just happened to have to face the greatest player and the greatest team of all time. They were built. They had rebounders, scores, ball handlers. They were built to win a championship. They were not a flawed. The architecture with Utah was not flawed. It's like Phil Mickelson. He's not flawed. He just faced Tiger for 12 years in his prime. That's Joe Frazier was built to be the heavyweight champ. He just happened to go up against Muhammad Ali. This team is okay. not even close to built to be a championship team. That's a good point. That's a good point because I was going to mention Ewing and, and Nash and Phoenix. And Don't Sacramento with Chris Webber and those guys. You're right. They were, they were built where you thought they could win. But there was a dynasty. This team is flawed. But what about Allen Iverson? In Philly, well, was it the right move to get rid of him? When you have a legend, especially in Westbrook's case, where he chose OKC when Durant left you, right? Oklahoma City, may, uh, Colin. Here's the fact: they may never win a championship, like or at least for the next thirty years. Utah's never won a championship. The Indiana Pacers have never won an NBA championship. You have really good franchises, thriving NBA franchises yes. that have never won a championship. But those teams were always willing 
to build to win a title. Just because Dan Marino didn't win a title, his teams were good enough. They were built right. What Oklahoma City is doing is we're hostage. We're not going to change the architecture. You've got Paul George, a top 15 player in the league. Well, hold on. He is a top 15 player, and he's escaping. With all the criticism of Westbrook, George has not been good either. He has not been good. And the next question stuff, unless he's had a beef with somebody, he looks like a major follower right now. There's no question. I mean, come on, Paul George. Like, be your own man. What is, it, it, unless there's some beef he had with somebody where he's doing it justifiably, I don't get it. But I, I get where you're coming from. But I also say, look, this is a business, and Westbrook is a local legend. He puts fans in the stands. And what do you – look, Colin, you, what do you do? You, let's trade Westbrook and George and start all over. Well, it doesn't always work when you start all over. How, wanna, how long did it take Sacramento? Uh, They're I, still not in the playoffs. Uh, Phoenix, you know, Orlando, I'm they not just got in the playoffs. Detroit, Detroit went seven years without the playoffs. We're starting over. And then they finally go to, you know what? Let's bring in Blake Griffin. Hey, I'm not, like, I'm not for starting <laughs> over. I'd keep Steven Adams. I'd keep Paul George. I'd keep Dennis Schroeder. There are a lot of com components I like. The Westbrook thing, though, I will always defend organizations that are building and constantly evolving to win titles. And they don't because they face a dynasty. They face Tiger Woods. Right. They face. But Oklahoma City is just being stubborn. Yep, this is what we are. Um, this is not even you're not trying to get better. You're just trying to sell tickets. And I, I OK, we got a lot of stuff here. It, it, it makes some sense. That's it's interesting. But I, Occasionally I, still I do trade him. I still wouldn't trade him. Occasionally, I throw a strike. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, Clippers playing their butts off, uh, but Golden State's just better. Uh, Kevin Durant was unbelievable yesterday. So I felt for years and years, Chris Broussard joining me, that LeBron was the best player in the world. Uh, Durant was uh, not really challenging him, but he was the second best player in the world. And I think this is what happens over time. I think Durant's got a little less miles uh, on his legs. I think LeBron, after seven, eight straight finals trips, is just a lot of no – you just wear the thread on the tires. And I do believe this is the first year in the last decade where I felt that Durant surpassed LeBron. He's a better defender than LeBron. He's healthier than LeBron. So he's more dependable physically. I think he's the best shot maker in the world. Now, I think he's been that for the last several years. Right. I, I watched him yesterday, and I'm like the, – listen, the bench scoring by the Clippers, the coaching – Clippers did so much right. Steph didn't play well. And Durant's just like, I'm just going to make shots when I have to make shots. I don't think there's a player in the world who is harder to defend than Kevin Durant in the entire world. And I think he's separated from everybody. I think he's better than LeBron now. I've always said he's unguardable. And to your he's like, and when he was in Oklahoma City, I used to say he's a seven-foot version, or really I'd say Steph Curry is a 6'3 version of Kevin Durant. Like, they're both unstoppable. They shoot terrifically. They can take you off the dribble. They can finish. They got mid-range play. They finish at the rim. The difference is Durant's seven feet tall, so yeah. you can't stop him. Is he better than LeBron? Here's the thing, Colin, and I don't take anything away from Kevin Durant, but even when people bring up the finals where he made the shots in LeBron's face at the end of games, you, do you know how much easier it is when you've got Steph Curry and Klay Thompson also on the floor? Like, it just opens things up so much for him. So LeBron's playing out there with these young boys, 
and doing everything. And KD has this perfect system with these great players around him. So uh, it's tough at this point. I'm, I'm leaving it all open during these playoffs to who's the best player in the world. I can't say it's LeBron. They didn't even make the playoffs. One minute left. Who would you take to have the ball? KD. Okay, one minute left. The other team's got a hot shooter. Who would you rather put on him? Oh, that's a good one. For a minute? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think LeBron can go hard for a minute. <laughs> a minute, I might go LeBron. I Listen, I have been the ultimate LeBron guy. I mean, outside of Nick Wright, I'm probably second <laughs> in the country. But I do. Well, Shannon Sharp, of yeah, course. Yeah, I mean, but I think yeah. there are just times. I'm not. And, I mean, listen, I said. It's, it's, you're not out of bounds. No, I, at this point. I think LeBron's the second best player in the world. I, I'm not look, saying he's ninth. I'm not throwing, and I might be premature. I'm not saying it can't, can't be Giannis. I can't shoot. Why? I get he yeah. can't shoot, but can you stop him? Well, you can if you double him low. I don't but like. But he can. He can pass. He's let's see what he leads Milwaukee to. All right. He hasn't yet won a playoff series. Let's see. And and what about the beard? I'm just saying, no. like these. If the beard leads Houston past Golden State. You can't tell me it's, it, it might not be James Harden and that it's Kevin Best Durant. Best player in the league? I'm just – does he have as much around him as, as Harden, as uh, Durant no, does? No, no, I like Harden. I like – I'm not – I'm on – If Harden leads – with Chris Paul, not quite what he used to be. By the way, used to be there was a long stretch here where Westbrook was better than Harden, then they were close. Can we all acknowledge – I, Westbrook and Harden, there is a massive separation. I now. told you when they were teammates there last year, I polled about 70 people around the league informally. Yeah. The majority said trade Westbrook, not Harden. Now it's not. Harden's better. Now it's it would be 30. He is in a better system. He's in a perfect system for him. I mean, Mike well, Nantz on the system. Harden does deserve a lot of credit. No, he's unbelievable. Following, Rick Buecher joins Whitlock and Wiley to discuss what's next for OKC if they get bounced from the first round again. They tra that was a hell of a conversation they had last night, trashing the Thunder and Russell Westbrook. Is the the feud with Trammell, the poor play? I think Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook is redefining his reputation and not in a good way. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly taking a hit right now in terms of reputation. The 2K rating going down, the Q rating <laughs> going down. No more fun and pregame close conversation. It's now like we run out of options in terms of what's the issue with this organization. And now the issue with you, Russell Westbrook, we were talking about the roster. You know, it's been three years now post-KD, the roster, the coaching. Oh, you know what? Maybe it's the playing style. No, maybe it's just you. Because you now become the common denominator for all these ills. So, yeah, he's definitely taking a hit. Well, he's gotten everything that he could want. He got a guy who committed to him in Paul George, right? The town is his. He's got the money. He has everything that he needs. And what I saw this year for the first time was a guy who was trying to utilize the pieces around him. And this yeah. is the most startling discovery for me is I always thought it was a matter of, okay, he just has to understand he can't do it all by himself. He's not going to get there relying solely on him. He discovered that. And this is what's a little more tragic. Discovering that and trying to find a way to marry his abilities with the, the abilities of the players around him, that's a gift. That's a talent. That's an ability. I'm beginning to wonder whether Russell Westbrook actually has that ability to marry those two. Because now when he's, you saw it in game four, 
he was unselfish down the stretch. Mm -hmm. He was getting everybody else involved. I'm not hitting shots. I'm going to get everybody else involved. You can't stop on that team. You can't stop being Russell Westbrook. You've just got to find a way to combine it with the talent around you. We saw Damian Lillard do that. Damian Lillard doesn't, it's not all I score or I set everybody up. It's a blend of the two. Mm -hmm. That's what makes them so effective. Russell Westbrook is not showing me that he's capable of doing the two at the same time. Which, yeah. I go to what I had said a couple weeks ago, playing with anger. And I not, when, and not anger, rage. Rage. Ra because it's over the top. Yeah. It's not, I'm mad. Yes. And so I make bad decisions when I'm angry. <laughs> really bad decisions. I think most people do. It's the wrong emotion for a point guard. And I, I, again, I think he's going to have to have a total personality makeover, which... Look, we've seen Tiger Woods get counseling for whatever his issues were. Mm. Russell Westbrook, to me, needs some counseling about handling his emotions because his lack of control of his emotions is making him make poor basketball decisions and look for conflict virtually everywhere. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Rick was talking about the extremes and not the blend, the nuance part of the game that he's not excelling at. And we talk about rage, anger. I say intensity. Uh, that intensity works in normal circumstances. Uh, we have countless examples of guys where you want to go to Clayton Kershaw in other sports or Peyton Manning or you want to stay with Russell Westbrook, where in normal moments, they excel. And then when there are intense moments and then you map that onto that intensity, combustion, <laughs> Like, you just don't know how to see things clearly and as nuanced as you need to in those moments. Well, if you have baseball, if you're talking about a pitcher, he pitches every five days. He can go out there every fifth day and, and, and play with a, or a certain rage. If you're in football, you're only playing on one side of the ball. And even that, it's not every snap. Basketball, you're out there almost all the time. You've got to play the long game. Yeah. You're not going to – when I saw him in, in game four knock down a three and he's going wild, I'm thinking, you have to know better at this point. These are the playoffs. You're not winning a playoff game in the second quarter. I don't care how big that shot is. Mm. You've got to be able to sustain that energy and think the game. There's playing hard and then there's playing smart. We've never doubted that Russell Westbrook plays hard. But everybody in the playoffs plays hard. You play hard during the regular season, you're going to beat a lot of teams. Everybody plays hard in the postseason. Now it's a matter of who's going to play the smartest. And Russell Westbrook, I hate to say it, is losing in that game right now. I can think of one guy that I would compare Russell Westbrook to, Cam Newton. It's a not in basketball, obviously. Cam Newton, the quarterback for the small market team, MVP of the league, mm. carried his team to a Super Bowl, didn't win it. In a small market where you have all kinds of control, they need you more than you need them. Mm. That's the situation Westbrook is in. And with, uh, with Cam Newton, when they, the ownership, Jerry Richardson and Ron Rivera were working in concert and helping shepherd Cam Newton along, and that's what I don't see in OKC. I don't see ownership working with Billy Donovan trying to <clears throat> shepherd this guy in a healthier direction. Well, it's one of those tricky things where you need to have a coach that Russ believes 
has the answers for him. I had a GM tell me this the other day. He said, if I go, if I had Russ, I would tell him the first 40 minutes are yours. The last eight minutes are mine if I'm the coach, hmm. which means go out and do your thing for 40 minutes. But when we get to the final eight minutes, it's going to be my plan and we're going to utilize all this. And I just don't see that. To the very <clears throat> end, Russ, every time he gets the ball, it looks to me like he's figuring it out as he goes along as opposed to the, there's a grand master plan to this. Well, you know, I mean, we could take it from the psychotherapy and just take it back on the court. And, and we may be overthinking this. Let's just be real. The game is passing Russell Westbrook by, and right now we're seeing him respond to that. He can't shoot in a shooter's league. Mm. If you think about it, since post-KD, what's happened? His effective field goal percentage has gone down. His free throw percentage has gone down. Yeah. And his three-point shooting has gone down to 29%. There are seven-footers walking around right now in the NBA shooting better than Russell Westbrook right now. So what comes from that? A tenacity and just uh, Wiley Coyote going out there trying to make this all happen because he knows he can't do what other point guards can do, which is be a threat on the perimeter. The thing is, is I, I look at his form. There's nothing wrong with his form. He doesn't, he doesn't lean either way. He goes straight up. The, the, the release, all of that is fine. He's an emotional shooter. If yes. you watch how he mm, shoots, whether he's got a quick release or whether he holds his form or how he shoots, the speed and the rhythm of his shooting changes depending on how he feels from moment to moment. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in shooting, but I know this. You're looking for consistency yeah. all the time. You want to take the emotion out of it. You want to take the thinking out of it. You want it to be all muscle memory and to be exactly the same every time. Russ doesn't even pretend to go for that. It is wherever his, his heart is at the moment is where he's and how he's going to shoot it, and that is not a recipe his for a high percentage. His isn't calm. I'm, you know, he needs some yoga. He needs some meditation. <laughs> he needs something. But here's the thing. This is what got him to where he was. He was right. always doubted. For a guy to let go of the formula that got him to where he is and say, now for you to take that last step, you have to totally change, Mm -mm. Good luck. That is a scary that proposition. That could be a recipe for disaster. Finally, Vincent Goodwill is back with Nick and CeCe to discuss the Kyrie vs. Giannis second-round matchup. All right, CeCe, Celtics swept, Bucks swept. The two now face off in mm -hmm. the second round. How do these two teams match up with each other, Celtics these two and teams, Bucks? I think these two teams match up fairly well until you get to that guy who was just talking right there. <laughs> yeah. Like, we can talk about all these other players. Oh, how are they going to do it to five? Oh, how is Kyrie going to do against Bledsoe? All that, I, I believe, negates itself, but Giannis. What is the answer to a young, up-and-coming superstar? Man, he's amongst just a handful of guys. Two dribbles past midcourt, and he is at the rim. His ability to continue to shoot the jump shot and to watch his jump shot grow, his ability to be able to knock down free throws because he draws so many fouls. But we haven't seen this type of play unless you go back to the days of Shaq as far as someone scoring in the paint, unassisted, and how he's doing is totally different than Shaq, but they end up with the same result. At the rim, close to the rim, are dunking the basketball. He's a special basketball player. It's going to be fun to watch him as he gets into the second round for the first time because last night's game, you could see he just took over. He took over when the Bucs took over. This was a game they're trailing yes. midway through the third. And then they do what great teams do. And like much it, respect to Detroit and what they were yes. doing. And Blake Griffin playing out there with that, that mechanical knee, knee brace yeah. on and everything. Detroit.
played well enough. Like, they weren't going to just surrender. They weren't going to roll over. Yeah. Usually if you're going to be overmatched in a series, but you're going to steal one, mm -hmm. it's game three. It's the game where it's like, oh, we, we have, we're just back at home. Yeah, Typically when you fall down 3-0, you wave the white flag, especially in a one versus eight. Detroit was up late in the third quarter. And then Milwaukee did what great teams do. They went on a 45-10 run. <laughs> A 45 to 10 run in about 12 minutes of basketball. Good night, good luck. We are now up by 30, which continued the trend in this series. They won games in this series by 35, 21, 16, and 23. And last night's 23, it would have been 30 if not for a late flurry by Detroit. I, but that continues the trend of Milwaukee this year. A league high 45 wins by double digits over the course of the regular season. Why am I so high on Milwaukee? Prior to them this year, Jenna, only seven teams in NBA history had 45 plus or more wins by double digits. All of them won the title. Like, if we were not mm -hmm. living in a Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson era, we would say Milwaukee is not just the heavy favorites to come out of the East, the heavy favorites to win the title, which is why I think yesterday when we talked about the Celtics series, yep. a lot of people took my commentary as, oh, Knicks just hating on the Celtics again. It is less to do with Boston and more to do with mm -hmm. the team that I they're facing that I think is something of a juggernaut we just don't know it because this is the first year, to your point, they've even won a single playoff series, yes. much less advanced very deep into the playoffs. Okay, so if we all agree that you can't stop Giannis, what kind of defense can Brad Stevens put together to at least slow him down and keep them in these games? Well, the problem is they shoot the three-pointer so well. There is no team that is synced up offensively and defensively. Shoot the three well, defend the three well. If Giannis draws a double team, they have Four shooters on the court almost at every at, at, at all points. And Brooke Lopez, I totally disagree with Mannix, who sat here yesterday, and Nick and I have been watching Brooke Lopez. Man, his game is special. I mean, we were kind of puzzled. Why didn't the Lakers for only $3 million? And he's just changed his game. If people didn't we, see when you say you're puzzled by Mannix, Mannix yesterday said he thought Brooke Lopez could be played off the court in this series. Right, That yes. Boston could He would be a liability. Exactly. And, and Nick and I don't agree with that because he's had a special season. 65% of his attempts at the field goal are beyond the three-point line. That's, his career was totally different before that. So now he is a great shooter at the three-point line, and you can bring him off. So now Giannis has plenty of space. Bledsoe is playing the most consistent basketball of his career. And I got to tell you, surprisingly, George Hill, who disappeared with the Cavs, has played in spot duty, has played some good basketball for the Bucks. Who, who guards Giannis? If you look at the team, who do you have on Giannis? I mean, listen, they'll start with – it'll be the same thing Boston tried to do last year with LeBron, which is we'll throw a bunch of bodies at him and they yes. will all fail. Marcus Morris will try. Jalen Brown will try, but he is not big enough. Shimmy Ojale will get some minutes because he's so strong, but he is not tall enough. Jason Tatum will get some minutes, but he is not thick enough. There is nobody. This is why when you say, how does Boston slow down Milwaukee, if Boston is going to make this a series, they're going to have to do it through putting together two of their best offensive weeks of basketball we've seen all year. Kyrie is going to have to be 25-plus points a night. Tatum's going to have to duplicate what he did in round one where mm -hmm. he was extraordinary. Gordon Hayward is going to have to be the Gordon Hayward we saw momentarily in the fourth quarter of game four throughout the series. Like, the, Gordon Hayward 
every month of the season this year averaged 10 or 11 points. They need him to average 18 or 19 points if they're going to find enough offense because you are not holding Milwaukee under 95 points more than maybe once in this series. Uh, Jenna, you can go up and down, and I challenge anyone. There's going to be eight teams in, in, in the second round. Go up and down the roster, and you see who, who can guard Giannis. Correct. You can ask that for anyone. I don't care who they play. Teams in the East, teams in the West, and that includes um, the Rockets and Golden State. Well, you mean Kevin Grant? No. This is a mismatch waiting to happen every series. This series, the finals in the East, if they make it to the, um, to the, to the NBA finals, and no matter who they are going against, there is no one in the NBA that can match up against Giannis at and this point in his career. if you're going to slow Giannis down, the, what you need more than a great perimeter defender, what you would need is a great rim protector because Giannis does so much of his work at the rim. Rudy Gobert, is, his season's about to end, even though they extended it last night. Mm -hmm. A guy such as him, Joel Embiid, maybe if they were playing the conference finals, could at least at the rim give Giannis a little bit of trouble. But the Celtics don't have that guy. The Celtics, it's Al Horford mm -hmm. or it's Aaron Baines. Like, they, you, you can't, no matter how great of a perimeter defender you are, if you are going up against the league MVP or one of the MVP candidates, the offensive player almost always wins that matchup in the long run. you got to throw a bunch of bodies at him, which will mean the Bucks are going to have, in this series, I, an mm -hmm. abundance of open three-pointers, of guys collapsing on Giannis, and if they miss their threes like Indiana did, then Boston have a real shot. I don't think they will, which is why I think Milwaukee's the heavy favorite. And this Nick, round. you also believe from a coaching standpoint that Coach Bud is really underrated in the things that he's done Correct. to be able to bring out not only Giannis's talent, but the rest of that roster. You believe people that, that's aren't the giving biggest him difference between Milwaukee this year and last year. It's not the evolution of Giannis, it's coaching. What Budenholzer's done all year has been brilliant. Thank you for listening to the Hoops on Fox podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review letting us know what you think of the show.